We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my beautiful friends, lovely listeners. Um, I'm really excited to be having this conversation today about one of my very favorite relationships. It is the relationship with creativity. Years ago, before cultivating this very important relationship, I struggled intensely with depression and anxiety. My health was also not good. I suffered with chronic fatigue and a very suppressed immune system. In retrospect, I believe some of these challenges stemmed from my blocked creative energy. As I started to express myself through painting, jewelry making, and writing, it was like I started coming back to life. My wattage started to increase, and I I started to feel more happy, more healthy, and more whole. Do you remember being a little kid, maybe in kindergarten, and how much fun it was to create and play? Not for the sake of any product, but simply for the joy of the process. This isn't something our culture tends to think of as productive, but I am certain that our soul does. So if you're ready to claim a more open relationship with your soul and ready to increase your life force, you're going to love this conversation I'm having today with Gail McKeegan. Gail McKeegan is a licensed psychotherapist and executive career creativity, positive choices coach, and consultant. She has authored a fantastic book called The 12 Secrets of Highly Creative Women, a Portable Mentor, and the award-winning book, The Power of Positive Choices. Gail works with individuals as well as groups and helps them reduce stress, maximize creative self-expression, pursue fulfilling work, and experience positive living on all levels. She also works with budding authors to help them get their books and articles published, as well as assist creative entrepreneurs build successful businesses. So, Gail, thank you so much for being here today on Journey to Center and Empower Radio. Oh, thank you, Tammy. I just wanted to make a note. Uh, My last name is pronounced McMeekin. Everybody does it. I don't even notice it. But I'm I so glad you said that. I went over and over and over it, and I'm like, I'm going to get this right. <laughs> you were very so I'm glad close. You're saying, I'm going to say it because it's, it doesn't seem like it's a common name. McMeekin. That's right. McMeekin. So I'm not the only one that's done that. Oh, no. Absolutely. And that's close. You just said one letter off. Some people come up with all kinds of crazy renditions. Yeah, my last name is Balashevsky, and it's it's the rare situation when it's pronounced properly. So I, I, I understand completely. So thank you for um, correcting me with that right out of the gate. No so problem. I have to say, I love your book. And one of my favorite things about doing this show is walking over to my bookshelf and finding the books that have influenced me in a positive way. And I pulled yours out, and I, I wrote to you, and I was so excited to hear back from you. So... I think creativity is so vital. I think it is our life force. So I'm excited about talking to you about why you wrote this book and how it came into being. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned chronic fatigue um, because actually chronic fatigue was the catalyst for the 12 Secrets of Highly Creative Women. Mm. Um, I had a huge private 
practice. Uh, I was doing a lot of psychotherapy then. I was doing a lot of outplacement coaching. I was doing training in companies. And all of a sudden, I just got incredibly tired. Went to the doctor and said, I'm too tired to go to the grocery store. And um, this was before chronic fatigue was, was acknowledged. So I got all kinds of psychological things. Maybe you're upset because you haven't had children or, you know, they give you the whole thing. So I had a million tests. Finally found a book, realized what I have had, and started doing alternative healing. And, and that was uh, quite a long time ago now. But in the process of that, all of a sudden, I had this great awakening, and I started buying interior design magazines and art magazines, and I started doing expressive art painting. I love painting as well. I started writing. It was like my creativity that had been uh, buried and kind of squashed, as you were talking mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. just burst forth. And so I started reading about creativity I had a chance to take a mind-free course with George Prince, who's one of the leaders in the creative movement who founded Synectics here in Boston. And one of the things I learned is that mistakes are part of the process, which totally changed my life. (laughs) And um, anyway, but in the process, I began to get annoyed at the fact that so many of the things I was reading on creativity did not include modern-day creative women. They might have Georgia O'Keeffe or Martha Graham, the the usuals. And finally, PBS, who I adore and support, did a special called The Creative Spirit, and again, mostly left out creative women. So I set out at that point to write a book about modern-day, sane, healthy, creative women who were prosperous and uh, passionate about what they were doing. They weren't crazy. They had relationships and they weren't starving artists because I wanted to smash that myth. Um, Mm, So for this book, I ended up interviewing 45 women of all doing all kinds of things. Um, And I was able to get access to some fairly well-known women like Sarah Von Bronick and Clarissa Pincola-Estes and Shakti Gwain, who I had read her book, Creative Visualization, a million years ago, Sigrid Olson, the designer, Chris Madden, Barbara Sher, and so forth, and other people who were inventing creative software and, and so forth, because creativity is not just for artists and writers. So what happened while I was in my pajamas still and healing was I put together my first product, which was an audio workshop on tape of a workshop I'd been doing for years called Positive Choices from Stress to Serenity, and um, produced that. And uh, my clients have been saying for years, would you please put this workshop on tape so it's got visualizations and, and a workbook inside and so forth. And that became the foundation for the book, which then came out in, in 2001 and with Canary, and by then, the 12 Secrets of Highly Creative Women had already um, sold really well, so we did that other book pretty quickly. Um, but anyway, my whole life changed, and uh, I had been an entrepreneur before. I'm still an entrepreneur, but I just became obsessed with the idea that everybody has creativity software, everybody has a gift, but so many people have been traumatized or shamed mm-hmm. out of it, so they pulled in and have a lot of issues, women in particular, about 
expressing themselves. So I love helping women develop businesses and products and services and so forth that express who they really are and offer some service in the world. I love helping people write books and and so forth. And I love developing products too. Um, so in addition to four books with Canary and a couple of e-books, um, my husband and I, he's a photographer, an award-winning photographer, and he and I developed a um, deck of cards called the Creativity Courage Cards, which are his photographs and my affirmations because I kept noticing that fear was one of the main mm-hmm. obstacles, particularly for women, um, in expressing their creativity and being able to get out there and deal with the fact that you're really looking for the right partner. It's not that you got rejected. Uh, if you got rejected, it means you might have to change something about what you're doing and tailor for the marketplace, but you may not. You're, you're really looking for people who really get what you're doing and love it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with you. Something you bring up in your book, and I feel like you've touched on a little bit that I want to go into, is really finding that balance between the masculine and the feminine. It sounds like you were a very uh, ambitious doing person, and then your fatigue kind of like, chronic fatigue, and I felt like that was my situation as well, kind of just made it impossible to keep doing what I was doing. Right. So I want to talk to you about your thoughts about really um, accessing and I guess giving permission to that dynamic of the feminine, which in our culture, it doesn't seem like it's highly um, valued, the beingness and the creativeness. So what are your thoughts about coming into balance with that? Oh, I think that's so important. Actually, it's interesting when I was taking these expressive painting classes, I kept painting myself as a woman locked up in the tower of a castle with no way out. And I later learned uh, through um, dreams and journaling and so forth that that was actually me feeling trapped by the patriarchy Mm -hmm. and the male corporate world and so forth, and that I really did need to get in touch with my own feminine power and um, learn how to be and go back to receiving and trusting my intuition and so forth, because we we do need to have that balance. And um, one of the women I interviewed was Sidra Stone, who talks a lot about the inner patriarch that we've um, absorbed from society and from our mothers, perhaps, and where we tend to value the male model more than the feminine model, and therefore that's one of the reasons why women start throwing darts at each other. So that we need to have this balance between being out there and talking and doing and and creating and so forth, and then we need to pull in, which is such an important part of the creative process, and be quiet and still and listen to our inner voice. And for so many women, they're so hooked into taking care of everyone else that they're last on the list and they get really disconnected from their core self, which includes their creativity. Um, so that for many women, there needs to be kind of a, of a healing process that goes on to give themselves permission to experiment and make mistakes and go after things that excite them. And I talk about follow your fascinations. And give yourself permission to set boundaries on 
people. And one of the things that, that you must know, as I know, is that when you have chronic fatigue, you have a limited amount of energy. Mm-hmm. And the teaching part of that is that you become extremely selective about who you interact with and what you do and what your priorities are because your world shrinks for a bit until you're feeling better. Um, But that learning is so powerful in terms of when you start expanding again, what do you let into your life? What are the things that you enjoy doing? Who are the people that you're still resonating with? And who are the people who aren't? Because I know um, I had a series of relationships and so forth that just kind of went away um, because they weren't a priority anymore. And that, that quiet time, journaling time, resting time, and so forth became a, a really important part of my creative process. Yeah, I love Did a that quote happen? that's, yeah, a quote that Sarah Ben, am I saying her last name, Ben, Rusnak? Yes. It's actually Bronick, which makes no sense, but that's <laughs> that is how you it's pronounce it. It's not how it's it. spelled. I, I've seen her her books, and I, I love what she writes about, but tell, yeah. yeah, I didn't know how to pronounce her name. She has a quote, it's the inner centering that pollinates the new. And I had such resistance to allowing that, really judging myself as lazy. And then Mm -hmm. the chronic fatigue insisted that I Mm -hmm. sit still and sleep. And, and, And I like something you're bringing up here is I realized I have very limited energy. I have to be very discerning about what I do and who I do it with. It made me really have to listen to my own soul. Mm -hmm. And now I really honor um, my desire for quiet time. Because if I don't take it, I will get sick. I will get a cold. I start getting very scattered. My fair share of automobile accidents. And it's, I've learned that I really need to take my quiet time, not judge it as lazy, but judge it, realize that it's just, um, about connecting with my own soul. And there's really nothing more important from my perspective than that. I, I know that I journal just about every day. And, mm-hmm. and what I find really amazing about it is how when I'm stuck on a situation or um, ambivalent about something or feeling scattered and lost, how, how calling on your... Um, you know, trusted source and your angels and so forth to to be your guides. It's amazing how um, much clarity emerges, and that clarity uh, saves you time, saves you energy, and just allows you to be much more focused on on what's important and let go of of things, people, projects, and so forth that aren't so important. Because a lot of us as creative women, I suspect you have this too, Tammy. Have what's called ideaphoria, which is rapid flow of ideas, which is mm-hmm. a wonderful gift, and we're great brainstormers and creators, but it can be a little overwhelming to manage it because your brain is always firing with, with new ideas, and we need to mm-hmm. learn a way to capture those and then um, realize that we can't do them all at the same time, so we have to <laughs> sequence them. We need That's to learn so how to good. sequence. and. I find it really helpful sometimes because I'll be off on a little bit of a new tangent to go back and look at my journal and say, oh, really? This, uh, I was going to be focusing on this. Now, how does this fit in or, or not? Because you can get caught up in what I call the shiny object syndrome of new <laughs> adventures and new learning, oh, yeah. <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And that's great. 
um, and that's never going to go away. But you, again, you can't do it all at the same time. So in order to write books or do a radio show or what have you, you know, you have to have some deadlines and, and wrap yourself around particular projects so that you don't get um, scattered, as you say. So funny that you say that. I was, I was meditating and, and a bunch of creative ideas were downloading. I've started a foundation and I want to work with, you know, women's shelters and I want to have some of my students come with me to work in prisons and, and uh, hospitals. And I was like, wow, right. there's so much I want to do. And what I got so clearly, you can do it all. You just can't mm-hmm. do it all at once. Right. <laughs> Right. So I love what you're suggesting, Gail, in regards to extending that invitation to our guides or helpers for clarity and then really creating those priorities. I think that's such um, a helpful uh, tidbit of wisdom right there. Right. And I also use some some different tools that I've kind of collected over the years. Um, I have been using the Viking Viking runes for years. Must be, I don't know how. In fact, when I had chronic fatigue, um, day after day after day, I would get disruption, which is the one about a tree falls on your house, things don't happen, or I would get standstill. You know, nothing's happening, just, just relax. Um, and it was just incredible how um, accurate it was about just continually giving me the message that it wasn't time to be fertile; it was time to just rest mm-hmm. and. And heal. And um, I actually had an episode yesterday where um, there's a project I've been invited to participate in, um, but I really don't have time, um, even though I like the idea of it. But I really right now need to be focusing on on some major things. And um, I was going to have a conversation with, with someone about it yesterday and was trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to say. Anyway, I drew a rune. I got disruption. So when I called her, she said, oh, my gosh, I have this deadline, and, and I really can't talk today, and, and so forth. So it was just another sign from the universe that, you know what, she doesn't have time for this, and I don't have time for this either. <laughs> that makes it pretty clear, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it needs to go on the, um, it needs to go on the uh, you know, later, maybe later list. Yeah, yeah, I hear that sometimes. I think when I was thinking, oh, I really want to move forward with this foundation. Well, you know what? This isn't the time for that. That's a great mm-hmm. idea. And mm-hmm. that's something I'm going to put at the bottom of my list of things to focus on. My book is coming out. I've got tons of clients. I'm doing this oh, radio show. Oh, what's shows your now. book? What's your book on? Um, I have a book out now called Manifesting Love from the Inside Out. My next book is Manifesting Prosperity from the Inside Out. And that'll be coming out in May. And then I want to write oh. Beauty from the Inside Out and Journey to Center. So I've got all these things lining up that want to be birthed and created, but it's mm-hmm. like, okay, one at a time, mm-hmm. <laughs> one at a time. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, it's, um, it's fun. Once I uh, said yes to my creativity, it just the, the floodgates have opened. You brought up something, I think, that's so vital to address, the quality of fear and courage, because I know when I was still struggling with my chronic fatigue, um, a friend of mine invited me to go to, uh, I think it was Michael's and uh, art, art store. And I walked oh, yeah. in there and I, I started having like a panic attack. And mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you why, but the, the endless possibilities of creativity brought up so much fear 
for me. So I'm interested in and what your thoughts are about fear and the quality of courage necessary in order to start claiming our creativity. Oh, yeah. I think one of the things that um, we really need to let go of is um, this whole idea that that everybody's going to like everything we do, no matter what, Mm -hmm. and that we need to create things that that every person on the planet is going to resonate with. And we need to realize that that, um, you know, we're going to put it out there and the right people are going to find it and click with it and, and be helped by it. And in the process, we, we need to let go of perfectionism. We need to allow ourselves to be in beginner's mind. Um, we need to realize that mistakes are part of the journey and that um, when we're doing any kind of project, let's just say writing a book here, it's like an experiment. I mean, you never, when you start to write a book, um, it usually doesn't turn out exactly like you thought it would because along the way, when you get, immerse yourself in the creative process, there are these wonderful surprises and new learnings and creativities about new connections and so forth. So we need to allow ourselves to kind of luxuriate in the process so mm-hmm. that we can let our own originality and our own brilliance shine through that. And so, therefore, we need to be extremely careful about with whom we share our creative work, particularly in the early stages, because yes, yes. we need to avoid there's two groups in particular. One of them I call the Ain't It Awful Club, who just want to sit around and talk about how miserable they are, and they're going to tell you, if you're a writer, you'll never get a book published. And then there are the... Uh, the inaccurate advisors um, <laughs> who are all-knowing, who, who say all kinds of things. Um, writers never make any money. Everything's going digital. Starving artists. Yeah, yes, there are all yes, these I got that. people out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And then there are people who, unfortunately, are, are actually out there as writing teachers, coaches, and mentors who can be critical because they're competitive. It's one uh, thing yes. to have somebody say, um, you know, I think it would be good if, if you put this here instead of there, and then you can think about it. But there's some people that are just downright nasty. Um, yeah, I've had that experience writing. too. I went to a teacher with my manuscript and he goes, you're not ready. You need to work yeah. with me. And I charge $500 an hour. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that was, that was rough. That was mm-hmm. rough. But yeah, I've, I've experienced all of those. So I think, yeah, it's important to be discerning what you share and with whom. Because you can be like a tender little sapling or a little baby tomato plant. And if you share it with the wrong people, they can uproot you and, and really discourage you. I think that's so vital. Oh, and, it's, and it's, it's tragic. And unfortunately, it's the kind of, I mean, there's so many writers who, um, you know, could wallpaper their offices with their rejection letters. So, again, it's finding the right people who love what you do and... and mm-hmm aligning them early in the process as well as, as later. And in the beginning, um, some people aren't ready to talk about what they're creating. And I often have clients say, well, you know, I took this time off from work and everybody wants to know what I'm doing and I don't really know what I'm doing yet exactly. And I don't really want to talk about my discovery process. And I said, you don't have to, mm-hmm. you know, let's just say that, um, you can say you're in transition. You can say you're you're in a discovery phase of life. Whatever you want, but 
Mm. Don't be seduced into sharing things and making yourself vulnerable with the wrong people. Yeah, I think that's, again, such good advice. You have a lot of it. You have a lot of good advice. (laughs) And your, your 12 Secrets of Highly Creative Women, a portable mentor. One of your quotes that I just love so much your, this is your quote, your creative self is alive and waiting for your invitation to evolve. Dare to embrace your creative self and manifest your dreams. Recognizing your creativity leads you into a life of self-expression, fulfillment, and contribution. Gosh, who, who doesn't want that? I know I do. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I just wrote a, a blog for the Huffington Post about how to feel fulfilled as a woman. And one of the things that, that we need to realize is that fulfillment means completion. And if we're constantly beating ourselves up for, oh, we haven't lost weight yet, or we haven't gotten our PhD yet, or we don't have enough clients or whatever negative, you know, we, sh- we would like to be tall instead of short or something like that, then we, then we never find contentment. So it's this mm-hmm. balance between feeling content and loving who we are and where we are, where we're at and also having ambition and goals and moving forward and, and growing, but taking a loving self with us as opposed to beating ourselves up um, constantly and then always feeling inadequate or incomplete. And the burnout rates for women are just staggering. I mean, they have a whole number of, of, uh, studies on them, but a lot of them are like 77%. Um, They did a study at Brigham and Women's Hospital, which actually I mentioned this in my 12 Secrets of Highly Successful Women book, where they studied um, 15,000 women in healthcare for 10 years. And they found that if those women did not have creative expression in their job and they felt like their hands were tied, that they had a 50% increase in heart attacks and heart disease. And even their rates were even higher than women who had either lost a job and were stressed about that or were worried about losing their job. So the creativity and our ability to express our feminine power and put our stamp on things and not have people push us around, but but being able to be captain of our own ship and, and impact what we're doing is so important. And I think for so many women, it can be the workplace, but it can also be, you know, the prison we sort of get into at home, perhaps, or in a relationship where we think, you know, the the partner and the kids and the dog and the grandparents and everybody else are way more important than we are. Yeah, and we've got to put ourselves at that top of the list. Exactly. So we're going to go to break, Gail. And when we come back, Um, She's going to share with us some simple ways we can overcome obstacles and eliminate those pesky barriers to success. So I'm excited about continuing the conversation with Gail McMeekin. (laughs) We'll be right back. Hang on. Have you ever lost a cat? And have you ever wanted to get your cat back after you lost it? Hi there. I'm Andrew Hoffman. I went on this website called inventnow.org. Then I decided to make an invention of my own. It's called the Lost Cat Magnet Invention. So you can get your cat back after you lost it. Just turn it on and Lost Cat stick to it. That's a good cat. 
If your cat was hiding up in a tree, it won't be up a tree anymore. It will be stuck to the lost cat magnet. And sometimes they fly toward you in the air. Just listen to one satisfied cat. See, that's proof. You should go to the inventnow.org website too. But just remember one thing. Don't do a lost cat magnet. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Get started on your own inventions or just play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. 20 years ago, the Americans with Disabilities Act was signed into law. The act was a huge step forward for the 50 million people in this country living with a disability and the culmination of years of effort by those who marched and spoke up and refused to be treated as second-class citizens. It helped renew the promise that here in America, we're defined not by our limitations, but by our potential. As we celebrate the 20th anniversary of this historic legislation, it's important to remember that we're still fulfilling that promise. We're still working to secure the rights guaranteed by the ADA, the right to live and work without limits, the right to equal justice under the law, and the right of every person in this country to reach for the American dream. We've come a long way since 1990, and I'm committed to making even more progress in the years ahead. Visit disability.gov to see how you can help. Brought to you by the American Association of People with Disabilities and the Ad Council. Odds of a young girl being discovered by an industry insider while singing to herself pumping gas? One in 300 million. The odds of the daughter of a clergyman from Severn, Maryland, spending 11 weeks at number one on the U.S. singles charts? One in 19 million. The odds of going on to win six Grammy Awards? One in 1.4 million. The odds of selling over 40 million records? One in and 800,000. And the eyes of this musician and performer having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 150. I'm Tony Braxton, and I encourage you to learn the signs of autism at AutismSpeaks.org. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Autism Speaks. It's time to listen. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. You're listening to Empower Radio. Now, back to Journey to Center with Dr. Tammy Belashevsky. Hello, my friends. Thank you for spending part of your day with me here on Journey to Center. I'm having a compelling conversation about creativity with Gail McMeekin. She has a portable mentor that she has written called The 12 Secrets of Highly Creative Women. So I... Love this. So, Gail, what would you just say to somebody who's listening going, well, you know, that's nice, but I'm really not creative? Oh, you know, that breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. Honest to God, it's like somebody sticks a knife in my heart when people say, oh, I can't read that book because I'm not creative. Everyone's creative. When you're in a grocery store with a two-year-old that's throwing a snit and you run around <laughs> trying to find something off the shelf to distract them, you know, and whether it's Quaker Oats or whatever, um, that's creative. When you um, change a recipe, that's creative. Creativity is about making or inventing something new, using new connections. And we're all problem solvers. And we use our creativity every day as a problem solver, whether we're an astronaut, whether we're a clothing designer, whether we're a psychotherapist, 
whatever. We all have the software, but it may have gotten rusty. And um, somewhere along the way, a lot of people have the stuffing knocked out of them with a lot of saboteurs who um, kind of crush their creativity and then women shrink in and, and try to play too safe. And then they may hide behind family responsibilities and so forth. Because when you tackle something new and creative, you do have to deal with the fact that you're not going to do it perfectly in, in the first place. And, um, you know, I have writers who come to me and say, well, you know, I, I don't want to show this to you because um, it's not perfect yet. And I said, isn't it a draft? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. I said, Writing you is weren't rewriting. expecting perfection. <laughs> right. Like people do. They have this idea that writers yeah. just sit down and it comes out perfectly. And we all know that's not true. And it's a process. I know, it's about rewriting more than anything. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And for me, something that I love watercolor painting. I'm not a trained artist. And I never know exactly what's going to happen. Um, and it can be a little bit daunting. Um, although one of the women I interviewed for my most recent book, Jean Carbonetti, has a great phrase. She says, when you paint something, she said, the hundredth time you do it, it's going to be totally different than the first time you did it. She said, you just have to stay with the process. And I always tell people, send your gremlins to Antarctica and tell them they are not allowed to speak to you during the beginning phase of a project because otherwise they'll, they'll terrorize you and potentially get you to stop. So we have to be willing to be in that zone of not knowing exactly what we're doing and trusting that there's some reason our heart is telling us to do that and to just go with it. I love that. Yeah, that's something I tell people. I teach uh, sacred art workshops like mandala painting. Oh, and, I uh, love mandalas. So much fun. It totally changed my life and really mm. helped me cultivate a relationship with my soul, which uh, it's been the best thing I've ever done. Wow. Um, but I will tell my students that come in and say they're not creative, you're, you're breathing, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. That means you're linked up to the creator because you're not right. breathing yourself. Mm -hmm. that, and creativity to me is our lifeline to the creator. So I'll ask them to please leave the judgment at the door. You can't judge your work or anyone else's in this room. Mm -hmm. And if you want to pick it up on the way out, you can. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but a lot of people, I think, end up really deciding they don't want to pick it up again. <laughs> right, right. Although it's there is a helpful. time. Some, sometimes at the end of a project, you know, I encourage people to bring in what I call like a devil's advocate. And it may be one of your own gremlins or somebody who thinks differently than you do, but respects what you do. And just tell them what you're doing or show them what you've done and just just get that other point of view. And again, it really has to be somebody who, um, you know, thinks highly of you. And But sometimes when we get a, a totally different slant, like I'm very right brain, so I'll have somebody left brain do that, it can be very informative um, that maybe we're assuming people understand something when maybe they don't. Um, but again, we have to do it um, from a loving place to ourselves, and we have to make sure the person participating also is coming from a loving, non-competitive space. Mm, yes. Yeah, feedback, I think, is very helpful. But again, you, you want to um, get that feedback feedback from people that you, you really trust and that love you. I think that's really important, especially, as you'd mentioned earlier, in the beginning stages of cultivating our relationship with our creativity. 
Exactly. And I know I run these groups called Manifest Your Jewel of an Idea groups where um, they're limited to six people and everybody's working on a creative project. And, you know, we have this part of it, which I call the Idea Hothouse, where people present uh, what they're doing and get input. And I always have a diverse group. You know, at the moment I've got, um, you know, an interior designer and then somebody who's designing an educational website and and a painter and somebody who's writing a book and is a sports psychologist. And so anyway, so we get it's like a think tank. We get a lot of different points of view. But again, it's coming from a space of really caring about the other person mm-hmm. and yet wanting them to get the message that if their business card looks lousy and you don't get it, that that we tell them that. Yeah. Are you open to some feedback? <laughs> yeah. Are you open to some feedback? Right. Yeah. And present right. it in that, that loving way. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, really excited to talk to you about how we can overcome our obstacles and eliminate the barriers to success. You have a quote that I think is so interesting. Um, by learning to outsmart the internal and external saboteurs that short circuit your success, your goals become possible. This is actually this, the ticket to transformation. So I'm excited to be um, delving into this subject with you because I think it's so important. Absolutely. And, and the reality is that on any creative journey, there will be obstacles, and some of them are internal and some of them are external. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the external ones may be people, but they may also be um, difficulties, um, you know, figuring out how do you do this in a PDF or, you know, some technology difficulty or, or I know somebody who's inventing this website and she wants it to do a particular thing and everybody's trying to figure that, figure that out. So there, there are those external um, mechanical obstacles as well. But I find for women that a lot of the obstacles we have are internal. And um, one of the things that I have women do is, is, identify what are the things in your life that are your obstacles. And I call them serenity stealers. What are the things in your life that rob you of your confidence, your peace of mind, your happiness, the things that you wake up in the morning and dread? And looking at subtracting those so that you make space in your life to add in positive life choices. Because in order to live the creative life, we need to do things like continue learning and have quiet time and have an intimate circle and, and so forth. So when we identify those serenity stealers with any obstacles, we really basically have three choices. The first one is, is it an obstacle that we can avoid? And lots of times we think we can't avoid something, but we can. So I always challenge people, are you sure you really can't avoid that? Let's let's take another look. Secondly, can we modify it? Can you change something around? Can you renegotiate with your family? Can you change jobs? Can you go to a different department if you hate your boss? Can you study with a different teacher? Can you um, spend more time in, in California in the winter? How do you take action and proactively change something into what it is that you want. And then there are some things that we can't avoid. I mean, an example might be, you know, dealing with, with elderly parents, 
you know, who are needing a lot of attention and loving care at a particular time. But even with that, we have two choices. We can change our attitude about it and we can take extra good care of ourselves so we can survive the experience. And I always tell women, are you, have you called your brothers? Have you got them involved in this process? If you're dealing with elderly parents, for example, um, because as women, so often we take on more than we can handle. And um, there are other services and there are other family members who can, can also participate. So if we were to take an example like commuting, like I hate commuting. I always live really close to where I work, and actually now I'm home-based, so it's even better. Um, I can just go next door, and, and I'm there. That's my goal. That's what I'm working on. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, yeah, I love it's that. great because of phone and Skype and so forth. We can do that. But yes. if you really hate commuting, you can live closer to where you work. You can decide that that job is not worth it. And I have a client who just did that. She said, just not doing that drive anymore. We've had five snowstorms in a row. Forget it. Um, so we can just say, I won't do that. That's just something I won't do. I have a client who used to get really depressed in October because she had to make Thanksgiving dinner. I mean, she would really go low and she'd take the whole week off before and so forth. And she absolutely hated it. And... Um, you know, we finally got to the point where she, she quit and started setting up uh, Thanksgiving um, events in a restaurant. And she said, I'm going to such and such an inn, and um, I hope you'll join me. And so she created a whole new tradition, and now she loves um, uh, the season because she's not in the kitchen slaving away, and nobody would help her. It was a horrendous. She tried that potluck and having people come. Didn't work. So she avoided it. So with the modification piece, we really need to think creatively. For example, if we're not getting along with somebody that we work with or someone else we have a relationship with, we have to decide, are they open to having a mutual relationship and are they willing to listen to our point of view, respect it, and make some changes? And sometimes they're not, and we can't, you know, we need to call up the serenity prayer you know, of knowing what we can change and what, and what we can't. Um, so, if, but the, we have different options. For example, a common obstacle for, for many women is fear of public speaking. Um, so we can avoid it if we, if we want, but that puts it at a disadvantage because there are very few situations where you don't have to do some communication. Um, but modifying it can mean get a coach, take a class, join Toastmasters, um, start practicing um, programs and so forth, do trial runs with your friends so that you can learn how to master it. Um, and, you know, sometimes people are in jobs where, you know, for example, they can't avoid doing financial stuff. Um, so, again, they need to change their attitude about it. I often have people set the timer um, when they have to do tasks that they don't want to do or play music or do something, have somebody help you do something to, to make it Ask fun. Ask for that support. Yeah, that's something I see a lot. That's a conversation I'm having with a lot of my clients right now. Mm -hmm. You know, ask for what you want. Ask mm -hmm. for the support. So many people seem to be able to give but not be able to receive. Right. And then they end up attracting people that can take but do not give. I said, that's not them. That's because you're out of balance. 
So you need to come into balance. You need to be able to receive. You need to be vulnerable. You need to ask for what you want. You need to ask for help. And that's going to help you attract more balanced relationships. And yeah, some of these friends or people might go away, but you're going to make space for the people that are more um, open to a balanced giving and receiving dynamic. I think that's so important. And that happened to me when I had chronic fatigue, and I'll bet it happened to you, where the people that we found really draining that were not mutual, mm. we just didn't have the energy for them. Yeah, they're not around anymore. <laughs> I thought they yeah, were no. good friends. Not around no, anymore. they're not. Um, fascinating, and, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, the gift really of, of uh, health challenges, the gift of challenges. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's quite fascinating. So something that's been so vital for me and coming back to life and reclaiming my health and creativity is really simply asking the question, what really honors me? What right. honors me? Mm-hmm. And, and looking at my goals and uh, being discerning about, well, does this feel like a no because I'm afraid? Or does it feel like a no because mm, it's really not a fit? I know mm-hmm. when I was asked to do this radio show from Brent Carey three years ago, I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I had to really check in. Was it a no because it really wasn't a fit or was it a no because I was really afraid and it was the latter. I was afraid uh-huh, and right. I was like, Oh, I have to stretch out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a bit scary, but I was asking for help and I got a lot of support and, and now it's fun. It's easy. It's awesome. So yeah, I like to be in your zone up. here. <laughs> I love having conscious conversation. What's not to love? I get to talk to all the mm-hmm. people that I've been reading their books of and that I want to connect with. So this is just a dream, a dream come true now. It was a nightmare because I was afraid. But it's awesome. It's awesome. And you stuck with it because I think learning how to take positive risks is just such a key to our success that we need mm-hmm. to be willing to be uncomfortable. We need... We need to be willing to try things, and we need to be willing to make some make some big changes if we need to I, do that. I really like what you're saying there, Gail. Positive risks. That That is a really, I've not heard it put quite like that, but that is exactly what I did. I took a positive risk. And other things that presented, it's like it really isn't a fit, and I think it can be mm, challenging to be discerning. What is a positive yeah. risk that our soul wants to go for? And what really is just, no, that's not a fit. Mm-hmm. I guess it just yeah. comes down to really trusting uh, our bodies. Because I think yeah. sometimes our bodies will kind of tense up, either our shoulders or our stomach. It's like, oh, that's a no. Because mm-hmm. it's just really mm-hmm. a no. Yeah, and we need to learn how to say no. I mean, just like this example I was giving yesterday where... Um, you know, I, I was thinking it was probably a no, and then I got all this affirmation that, yes, indeed, it's a no. And I think that when we trust our intuition, we save ourselves lots of difficult situations, whether it's clients that intuitively you know, think are a good match and we should send them on to somebody else, or whether it's projects that we're not excited about. We really need to pay attention to even those subtleties that we notice about things. And and honor that, honor what we're feeling, honor what we're thinking. And if something's not right, again, we need to look at this. Are we avoiding it, modifying it, or coping with it? Um, we need to ask and see, could, could we do it like this? Or I'd be more comfortable if it went like this. Um, and there's a book, actually, you've probably seen it called Women Don't Ask. 
and where they've proven that a lot of women don't ask for more money in consulting arrangements and jobs and, and so forth. And also women don't ask for support. Actually, I had a client this morning who's um, in kind of a major job transition, has some health stuff, and um, she needs to finish putting together this home office. And she's been having a hard time doing it and so forth. And, and so we were exploring different options. And finally I said, you know, just having a college kid and paying them 10 or $15 an hour could make a big difference. Um, and I said, or do you know any um, personal organizers or people who are really good at that? And maybe she could help you and then you could help her. And um, uh, she said, oh, my gosh. She said, my sister is actually a brilliant organizer. I could have her come over and um, help me out. And she said she'd have it whipped in shape for you know, in four hours. So this has been going on for a while. I had no idea her sister was an organizer. (laughs) And so sometimes the the people that, um, you know, are available to help us are just a question away. We have to be able to ask. You brought that up in the first part of the show. We we can ask our our guides or our teachers or, or angels uh, we can extend that invitation for help. And, you know, it's been interesting for me because I had such an intention to be of service and to help people. And and um, something a friend of mine said to me resonated so deeply. Tammy, until somebody extends the invitation or asks the question, they can't hear your answer. So now I, I do. I don't try to shove anything on anyone. I will sometimes say you open to some feedback, you know, if I'm mm-hmm. working with a client or something. But um if somebody asks me, I'm going to be there for them, but I'm not uh, determined to to drag anybody up the hill with me at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this this turns out this will actually be a good good way for them for them to connect. And um, but so often if we can do parallel play with with another woman or trade things off and we can just get out of that stuck space. Yes. 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 It's like, I, uh, if you help me, I'll help you. And it can be a win-win. And that's actually been a really great, um, you know, uh, method that's helped a lot of my clients receive and a lot of my friends receive. It's like, we trade. If you do this for me, I can do that for you. And everybody gets to share their gifts. And it's really mm-hmm. been wonderful, a wonderful mm-hmm. way of up-leveling for, for all of us. Absolutely. So, Gail, I got great value in one of your books and one of your chapters. It's called Living in Abundance with Positive Priorities. And some of the keys are defining abundance for yourself. I love that you mentioned this earlier. You know, there'll be no starving artist talk. You know, Mm -hmm. God's very prosperous and very creative. He's an artist. So we don't have to take that on if we don't want to. So and then tapping into the power of gratitude. Such such good information there. And then this was another really good part, caring for your body and your mind. I got such great value from participating in this chapter. And your soul, as you keep talking about, we need to, to honor, you know, our body, mind, spirit, heart, mm-hmm. and, and money. I mean, that's a whole other uh, arena for women um, that I talk a lot about um, in in the book that I just wrote the, about successful women. And 
we need to get out of financial vagueness. We need to be willing to receive. We need to pay attention to it and um, recognize that, um, you know, it can serve us in, in the challenges and the creative endeavors that we are doing in our lives and that we deserve to be paid for things that we yes. do. And, and that's something that I've gotten so clearly in writing my book about prosperity. I know. I can't manifest, wait to read that. It's, I think it's, it's, it's going to help a lot of people. It really is. No matter where you're at, if you want more prosperity, I think this book can really help you up level in many, many, many arenas. Um, but we all manifest exactly what we believe we deserve. That goes for our relationships. That goes for our finances. So... If we don't have what we want, it, it can be very helpful to go a little deeper. What is it I really think that I deserve? And mm-hmm. and it seems to me most women play a little small. Mm-hmm. They don't really know that they they deserve great things. So they settle. We manifest what we are willing to settle for. Right. So it's never anybody else's fault. Mm-hmm. It's that pinch in the middle and the, the content in the subconscious mind that prevents us from really attracting and manifesting all that we desire. Absolutely. Um, again, we sort of treat, we sort of train people how to treat us. Yes. So true. So Gail, I, again, I love your book. You really support the reader in going on a journey. It's very interactive and you help them move through the three gateways, engaging their creativity, mastering their challenges, and then actualizing the creative results. So I think this book could really support anybody that's hanging out with us if they want to up level in their lives in, in a lot of different ways. So how can they find this book? How can they find you? Now this book and all my other books, and I just want to mention, I wrote a journal book to go with the 12 secrets of highly creative women because women had been asking me to do it for like 10 years. And I finally got Canary to do it. And it's, and it, expands uh, all of those secrets and, and takes you on an, indeed another creative journey. So all my books are on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can go to creativesuccess.com, which is my website. Um, I also have a free ebook there called The Path to Creative Success, which for the next uh, month or so uh, is a free download. It's ultimately going to end up on Kindle. But for now, um, I recommend that your listeners go grab a copy. You just click on free ebook and um, you'll get it, which has lots of information about procrastination and, and all kinds of obstacles that we just started to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Power visualization and so forth. Um, so, and, and where can we get your book and when? <laughs> well, my current one, Manifesting Love from the Inside Out, is available on my website for half price right now, nine ninety five. Oh. TammyBPhD.com. And then I'll be taking pre-orders for Manifesting Prosperity in about two weeks. It'll be out in May. So you're so sweet to ask. I've never had a listener do that. I mean, an interviewee do that. So so it's all about mutuality. (laughs) You are. You are so, you're so (laughs) generous with your energy and your wisdom and your heart. And you're just, um, an amazing inspiration for me. I was like, wow, this is like talking to me. <laughs> in a slightly different form and fashion. I feel like we have so much in common. And I'm just um, so impressed with your wisdom and your heart. 
Oh, thank so, you. Gail, thank you for spending some time with he- with us here today on Empower Radio. I know our listeners got great value. And if you want more of Gail, I know I do, go to her website. It's full of amazing tools and information, creativesuccess.com. And, of course, you can go to my website if you want to write to me with any questions, suggestions for interviews, or to get a free guided meditation to help you start clearing the content in your subconscious mind that's not serving you at TammyBPhD.com. So, Love from our hearts to yours. Thank you for being with us again. Thank you, Brent Carey and Mike, my lovely producer. Onward and upward. Bye for now.